The Bitcoin Group, the American original. For over the last 10 seconds, the sharpest Satoshis, the best Bitcoins, the hardest cryptocurrency talk. We'd like to welcome our panelists, Dan Eve, the Crypto Raptor. Greetings and salutations. Adam Meister, the Bitcoin Meister. Pound that like button. And moving on to issue one. Issue one, banks tried to kill crypto and failed. Now they're embracing it slowly. Digital payments technology is forcing the financial system to evolve. Banks feel their power waning and want to regain control. As well as Australia's largest bank to integrate Bitcoin services in their app. Bitcoin is everywhere. Dan, Eve, your thoughts about the banks suddenly in favor of crypto. It's the classic, if you, if you can't join them and jp morgan have been for years they've been we've covered it before but like you know teetering on the on, on in in tampering sorry what's the call tinkering with the blockchain so they had like you know they've had jpm coin they've got their own uh private blockchain um i don't know what the point of that was uh which is what quorum i think they in fact they rebadged quorum and then sold it onto a startup or something um but with their own jpm coin i think they they actually they they were told by the regulators that they couldn't use it externally, so it was like an it was like a a proper intranet coin, an intranet Bitcoin, like the dumbest type type. So you could only use it inside the company, and it let you settle stuff in real quick time, like a normal database can't apparently. Um, but anyway, they 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 sold that on. Uh, now they of course they're lobbying against uh, against cryptocurrencies because they see the threat. And before it was just a case of laugh at Bitcoin because, you know, Bitcoin's this ridiculous magic internet money. And, you know, it's almost like they <clears throat> they didn't want the regulators to do anything because, as we said before, it kind of adds legitimacy if if uh, if if someone endorses it, not endorses it, but recognize it. As soon as you recognize Bitcoin and it's not this joke that, you know, people talk about, uh, you know, at the, at the end of a, a night out in the pub and laugh or say the, the night out um, at the end of the Christmas, the office Christmas party in the bank. And they're like, oh, Bitcoin, maybe next year. <laughs> and then they're like going, oh, shit, we should have stocked up on some bitcoin you know that some people did but jp morgan they've had a history of like you know telling their own staff that they'll sack them if uh, if they traded crypto so they've kind of wavered quite a lot but ultimately it's the old tortoise in the hair that the bitcoin has, has caught up with the banks especially now that el salvador is being <clears throat> is being like you know becoming the biggest um uh, you know you know uh, national it's having a national use case it's being rolled out nationally with the help of lightning and um, yeah, the fact is, if you spend too much time laughing at something, uh, you don't realize how it's creeping up behind you and growing bigger than you because you've got your back turned and you're like, you know, d dismiss this stupid technology. Um, but they did. So just the last thing is, is that JP Morgan, I think they had something like 170 failed big uh, blockchain patents um, in around by around about 2017 or 2018. And actually, I was uh, I was reading earlier, which I was quite surprised, but Bank of America is now like the, the biggest holder of blockchain based patents from the banking side with 160. So they're kind of trying to I wonder if they're trying to overtake the notorious patent trolls, Calvin Air and uh, and Craig Wright and, and Enchain with uh, with their blockchain patents. But I don't know, it's all waffle because there's only one Bitcoin. It's always great to see banks competing with others for patent trolling. 
Adam Meister, your thoughts on banks and Bitcoin. Dude, I love that uh, non-American way of saying patent. Patent, you know, you're freaking sophisticated when you're hearing patent. You know you're on the original show, the original freaking Friday show, people. I am so freaking pumped. Thomas, thank you for having me on here. And what do banks care about? You know, everybody likes to vilify the banks. They want to make freaking money, okay? So, of course, it was only a matter of time be before they would get into Bitcoin. I never believed the BS they were going to destroy Bitcoin. No, they were going to jump in and love Bitcoin, bring it in, tell all the normies they were going to hold it for them. And that Bank of America, Wells Fargo, you want to get into Bitcoin before they get into Bitcoin, okay? I've been yelling and screaming about that for a long time. And now we're at the point where, yeah, those big banks, they're in the Bitcoin. JP, I don't care. Which, I don't know the difference between them all, okay? Yeah, it was only one day closer to them holding lots of Bitcoin. And so many people are like, oh, why would you want to be in the Bitcoin if the banks held it? That's the point of Bitcoin. Your worst enemy can hold it. And you can't do anything about it. No one can do anything about it. That's what makes it freaking awesome. So you should be free. If you hate banks, if you're envious of banks, if you think the bank screwed you, you should be happy they're buying it hand over fist, okay? If you already bought it. or I mean, if you didn't, then they beat you. And I mean, you're just like, you talk the talk. You don't freaking walk the walk, dude. But yeah, of course they're holding it. All these people that say, I mean, predicting for years, there'll be no more, no, no more normal banks anymore. No, 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 they'll be, they'll, they'll all, they will become so much richer from all this. But the normies, most people still don't want to hold their own Bitcoin. They still trust those brand names like JP Morgan, Bank of America, Wells Fargo. So they're going to make a killing by simply holding people's Bitcoin, which is really a simple thing to do. And, uh, you know, you're talking about the patents, this, that, and the other. They probably, they can experiment on so many different things. Some people over there were just I mean, maybe they wanted to hire one manager, wanted to hire more people to do things. He thought he was smart. They realized that now, what's the point of creating your own big, uh, your own uh, cryptocurrency when you could just you know, uh, charge people to store the real thing? And I mean, it's it's I mean, it's quite, quite a business model they got over there, um, but it, it's going to work out pretty well for them. But at the same time, don't be envious of them. Don't be don't be angry that they're buying up a bunch of Bitcoin. Because it's it's just making you richer if you're if you're a holder, okay. And everyone's got an opportunity still to beat these guys to the punch. Well, not as much, but still, they haven't bought up all the Bitcoin. And that's impossible to do. You still got your chance, people. It's still under. It hasn't even gotten close to the six-digit realm yet. And some of these banks won't feel quote unquote comfortable uh, with it until it does get to to the six-digit realm. So we're still uh, relatively early in on this, of course. I mean, this is not 2016 early anymore, people. And you should have been watching freaking World Crypto Network back in 2016. All right, pound that like button. <laughs> it is amazing how much things have changed. In the old days, it was all Adam Meister, the Bitcoin group, uh, Mad Bitcoins, other people like this talking about Bitcoin, while JP Morgan and these famous investors were warning you to stay away, that it was rat poison, that it'll go to zero. All of this just scared people away. Meanwhile, it's completely flipped now. The banks are now into crypto. They're embracing it. And uh, we were right. Uh, so it's great to have Adam Meister here today who said the whole time, just stay humble, stack sats, be a Bitcoiner, and ignore these ups and downs. It doesn't matter until you have to sell. And if you have a job, you can just keep stacking, live humbly. 
And I just want to recognize Adam, one of the original Bitcoin YouTubers here is with us today. Thank you. Buy and hold strong hand. People said it was boring. <laughs> the results aren't boring, dude. There was a, maybe I'll be uh, driving a Lamborghini in your neighborhood soon, dudes. <laughs> Hopefully, or one of these days. No rush to get the luxury car, then. No rush. But yeah, Thomas was is this is the freaking original. And uh, hey, much credit to you. Much love to you for just keep keep on doing it. Keep on. It, it might not be fancy sets and graphics, but it it pays off in the long run. What we've been talking about, dude. So it's well, and it it's was funny for, for so long. We were collecting these little like. In my Bitcoin era, it was all like 0.1 or 0.01, 0.001. We weren't the many Bitcoin people of the previous eras. And now to see people switching it to sats and trying to be a Satoshi millionaire and trying to build it up that way and starting from the bottom in that, in that direction is great. But it also makes me sad of all the opportunities missed. What could have been an easy gain uh, buying those 0.1s and those point zero ones and those things that seem too small previously that change you wouldn't pick up off the floor now thousands of dollars uh, almost yeah, out I of mean, nowhere we're of the era where if we find some old wallet we, there might be 0.01 bitcoin in it because we, we thought it was six dollars it was five we just forgot about it that's of our era but you're right before 2013 there were dudes who were giving away 100 bitcoin at a time i mean well they'd have 100 to give one to this guy one to this guy one i mean and and made us and, and because of that i thought i was i was like oh i'm, I'm a little late here but uh over the long run oh no uh, we were so freaking early man. so it was early then and the other thing you, you bring up about jp morgan seriously um you know for all the people that hate on jp morgan they got scared by jp morgan too if you hated them so much why did you do what they said to do they were calling it rat poison all this stuff but plenty of dudes that work there including probably jamie diamond were secretly buying it they're smart guys. They know how to, you know, they know how to talk the talk and then do, do the opposite in the background. So learn on your own people. Do not do not pedestal these people. Do not pedestal these people because in the background, they're probably buying it too. The other point to make is that a lot of people ended up with zero Bitcoin because they just couldn't try it. And I had this problem for a long time where I was like, well, I missed it. I missed it at a dollar or 10 or 100 or whatever. I can't get any. Right. But if I just bought a few, then they'd be worth a ton now. And if people had just bought that point one or that point zero one that they thought was too small to hodl and that they couldn't start, uh, start anywhere, start somewhere stack it put a little bit in if you have you know one percent exposure to bitcoin ten percent exposure it's going to be more than zero in the future and i think that's been proven really well these last few years yeah, yeah. great very very good point there um i mean there was just people the excuse making that people came up with and still come up with just get some skin in the game dudes it, it'll be worth something uh, eventually so but good memories there beautiful memories Moving on to the exit question, the price of Bitcoin this time next week, higher or lower, keep in mind that you are competing against the Bitcoin prediction ball. Dan, Eve, higher or lower? I'm still going to go higher. I'm still, I'm still hopeful for 69,420 next week. <laughs> Adam, Adam Meister, will you go higher than 69,420? You know, you're the you're the second dude to bring that up, and I, I was just like, 
I'm like, I'm not 12 years old, but it's funny. <laughs> um, well, I'm, I'm, I'm always positive. Uh, you know, uh, it's uh, always around November 10th for some reason. I'm very happy. And uh, so that, that's next week. And I, I just, there's always good things that happen around that during, during Bitcoin, always weird things. So um, back in uh, back in 2017, people might not remember, that was a, that was around the Bcash uh, pumpage around then. Oh man, we've been through so much. So yeah, it, it will be higher, but what the heck? I can't predict an exact number, but this 69,420 thing is so freaking hilarious, man. I, I, we got we got to have more people saying it that are not 12 years old. It's great, it's great. <laughs> Well, I am 12 years old, so it's, it's difficult. <laughs> I used to just think it was a great thing that it broke a thousand or around or anywhere along there. Uh, let's go to the ball. Will the price of Bitcoin be higher this time next week? My reply is no. The ball is bearish. Watch out, people. Could be dangerous out there. Moving on to issue two. Issue two, squid game rug pole. The Squid Game cryptocurrency scammers made off with $3.3 million, thanks to the help of the mainstream media. Yes, the Squid Game coin had nothing to do with Netflix, nothing to do with the South Korean group that produced the TV show, and you couldn't sell the coin. Yes, you couldn't sell the coin. Yet, mainstream media news outlets like the BBC, Yahoo News, Business Insider, Fortune, and CNBC all acted as the promotions department for the Squid Game, Squid Game scam, saying in breathless articles that the price had ridden 83,000%. Adam Meister, who's responsible for the Squid Game scam? Is it the scammers? or the mainstream media who blindly promoted an obvious scam that we laughed at last week and now we cry a little as $3.3 million is somebody's life savings and I'm sure they miss it. Well, it's, it's the scammer's fault. I mean, the scammers created it, but the scammers saw a few weeks ago uh, when uh, Walmart was using Light, Litecoin and the media uh, fell for it, right? So why not? This is, I mean, they found out, and this will work again because it's you know normies are they normies are watching TV all the time, okay? So you know, come up with something that has to do with some mainstream normie thing that everyone is talking about, which is apparently this Squid Game thing, and just say you made a coin about it, and, and then you know, rip people off, and it, it's it, it's it works, and the media picks up on it because they don't know what cryptocurrency really is, they know what Squid Game is, and it seems it seems pretty cool. It'll get it'll get clicks cryptocurrency and squid game maybe what they did maybe what these scammers did is they, they figured out well those are the two most uh, popular things on twitter right now why don't we combine them and, uh, rip people off so it was a, a very good scamming formula um most people don't want to you know go beyond the surface at all and apparently the mainstream media doesn't like to do much research anymore either which was proven a few weeks ago uh with walmart litecoin lie and uh so this is just a, another another version of that and uh you know, if it seems too good to be true, it is too good to be true. Okay. I mean, so I, I just want to prepare everyone. This is going to happen over and over again. And the mainstream media will keep on uh, because they, they just move on to the next thing. They don't even have retractions anymore in the mainstream media. You know, they, 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 so we'll see all sorts of combinations 
um, you know, fake, uh, you know, Elon Musk NFTs, whoever's the most popular person of the day, they'll, they'll the scammers will combine with NFTs, with, with, with coins, with, with, with who knows what. But in the end of the day, it is the, the scammers scam. They created something that was dishonest. So it is their fault. But uh, I, I, I want to warn everyone, as Bitcoin and cryptocurrency become more and more mainstream, they're just this, this, I mean, we've seen the scams increase over the years. So there will be more and more scams. And some people to their very dying days refuse to even admit that they've been scammed. They, they'll still be like 10% of the people that still think they're getting a, a squid game, something or other. So be careful. Be, be careful out there, people. But this is this was predictable. This is predictable. Well, and speaking of Walmart and Litecoin, just today there was another breathless press release from Kroger saying that Kroger would accept Bitcoin Cash. Of course, it sounds false, and it was false. It's a completely made-up story. The media is already writing the second-round stories. Kroger has no idea what Bitcoin Cash is. They never put out such a press release. And it makes no sense on the face of it, just like Litecoin and Walmart made no sense. Dan, Eve, your thoughts on Squid Game rug pull? Well, I I think I even said last week I was I was sat there like going, oh, I think it was two dollars twenty two when I read the first read the article, and then by the time we we did the show, it was eleven dollars eighty. And even I was sat there going, well, it would have been, you know, wish, wish I'd have known about that. But obviously, it by within, what, 48 hours, it went to $2,800 uh, before an absolutely epic fail, uh, you know, dropped to nothing. Um, the, the thing is with the, with the newspapers, like, covering it, you kind of think to yourself, well, <clears throat> because they're mainstream, they're, uh, it, although they're kind of, they're promoting it to a certain extent, most people who read about it, they're, they're not interested in, or they, they don't even know what a DEX is or anything like that. So they're probably not likely to, to, to see it, but those people are going to get cooked in because they won't see that that um, uh, the, the Squid Game failed, they'll actually see that article and then go for the next thing that they see that's going through through the moon. And so someone phoned me the other day and they were like, oh, I just, I just went into Shiver. And I was like, but it's an all-time high. And they're like, what does that mean? I'm like, it's the highest it's ever been. Like, that's the, the one rule is that you don't buy something when it's the highest price it's ever been. Like, uh, it, yeah, because it, it's probably going to take a little bit of a dip first. So you've got to, you know, you've got to hold your horses a bit. And, you know, my best analogy is if you look at a chart and, and think I wouldn't ski down that, then it's either time to sell or time to not buy because it's already risen that hard that it's probably going to going to fail. There was a pretty hardcore uh, video of a guy. I think he was watching the the the, the, the squid coin pump up uh to something like two trillion dollars 2.1 trillion dollars <laughs> 2.1 trillion dollars of course it just it just completely usurped bitcoin in uh, in a single pump uh down to zero um but it caught a lot of people out and it's really it's really sad you know a lot of people lost a, a huge amount of, of of money uh uh and it does happen it's going to happen again but going back to the papers and the, the news outlets that are, are kind of reporting on it, it's it, as you mentioned, they don't even have to kind of do redactions anymore. They don't need to follow up. There's no responsibility on them to follow up and say, uh, 
uh, hey, we completely, you know, we, we weren't promoting this, you know, but uh, or, or at least follow up just saying, hey, remember Squid Game we talked about? Uh, Squid Coin, sorry. That's now zero. So don't be an idiot. That's what they should be doing is following up with another article saying, hey, you know, this is what happens. You know, it, it went up, but no one can actually take their money out and it's going to go back down and watch out for this in future. They should be educating people, not trying to coax them in by saying it's gone up 17 trillion percent in five seconds. Um, but it's almost like, you know, by law, you can't yell. It's that thing like you can't yell fire in a in a cinema, but a news outlet can do whatever the hell they like, it seems, without having any social responsibility or accountability. And even, you know, printing the most ridiculous headlines that have uh, not in this case, but have nothing to do with the actual article or aren't even remotely true. Or they pick on, you know, it's just it's just I don't know. It's, it's uh, I hate regulation, but. I think I think news needs to be regulated a bit, right? It's it's about time. If Bitcoin's going to be regulated, then the news needs to be regulated a, a, a bit more. I think they need another R R word. They need responsibility. The news media takes needs to take responsibility for what they're doing, and no one's going to like this, but they need to grow up. I remember when we started in Bitcoin years ago in 2013, every little piece of news, we'd be excited. A cafe in Hungary takes Bitcoin. It's over. A gas station in Wyoming takes Bitcoin. We are the kings of the world. Whatever happens, we were super excited about it, but we were very early. We were very new. And the mainstream media is in that same thing right now. They don't know anything. They don't understand anything at a complex level. So they can't see the difference between squid coin and Bitcoin. They're like, it's brand new. It has coin in the title. It's the same thing. And they just go back to their templates of articles. They have the template that they write when Bitcoin is down. Bitcoin is down and it's never coming back. The template when Bitcoin is up. Bitcoin is up. And if you'd had bought it, you would have made X percent. And they're coming into this world of altcoins and metaverse and NFTs and all these things that they don't understand, that whose values are insane sometimes, and they're just blindly reporting on it. And that's not what we need. We need a responsible media. We need a grown-up media. And we need a media that, like us, like right here on the Bitcoin group last week, we all took a risk and we called out Squidcoin. Dan was saying, wow, I could have invested. Meanwhile, you couldn't even sell the coin. If, with any level of due diligence, the media could have said, wow, there's no link to Netflix. You can't sell the coin. This looks like a scam. And that's what their articles should have been about. The same thing now with these Dogecoin copies like Shiba Inu. They're breathlessly reporting how much money people have made and how much money you could be making but they never take any chance to say, what are the fundamentals of this? What does it do? How is it similar or different to other things that have worked or not worked? And their failure will continue to cost a lot of people a lot of money. That's very sad. Moving on to the exit question. Uh, will there be more of these? Help me predict the next Squid Game scam. Adam Meister, what popular thing will be made into a breathless and amazingly valuable coin soon. Well, I'm, I'm gonna take it to the lowest level here. There'll be another dog coin of some sort. We've got one, two, three, why not a fourth and a fifth and a sixth? 
Well, they, they keep on falling for it. Something as simple as a, 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 a pretty looking dog on a, a fake coin or something like that. Why not that? I'm not even going to go into the mainstream. I think it's as simple as just uh, cre cre creating another one of them from a, maybe you'll be instead of, because the, the Shiba one is like an Asian dog coin. Dogecoin is like the American one. Maybe there'll be uh, an African one or something like that. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> so, something is, and it'll be totally fake. It'll be just a one coin of some sort. So uh, maybe a combination of uh, uh, something that's popular in popular culture with a fake dog coin and one coin. <laughs> I don't know. You can go a lot of different ways with this, but they will fall for it. Oh, so someone's at Joshua's in the house. All right. I, I will defer. Enough <clears throat> of me talking. Seems like a solid prediction. I could see golden retriever coin taking off a very popular breed of dog, Black Lab, uh, also wonderful. And I think Adam's right there. If you look at Ken Bozak and his amazing bro punks, he also has bro dogs. And he doesn't just have Shiba Inus or Doges, he has every breed. And again, they could all be coins. Uh, Dan, Eve, what will become a coin next? You make well, a call. I, I, the problem is that, you know, reality is always stranger than, than fiction. And uh, I shit you not that there is already a, uh, this is on coin market cap, no, <laughs> the shameless coin market cap. <laughs> no offense. Uh, but bonus squid game, that's already, that's recently added. Uh, dogs of Elon, because Elon Doge or whatever it was called wasn't enough. You needed dogs of Elon. Uh, and Metaspatial was also on the recently added. But the, my favorite one of today, uh, which is uh, also happens to be the biggest gainer at 652.5%. I'm not saying don't buy it. This is, I'm saying don't buy it. Remember the ski thing? That's skiing down. That's literally like a black slope, like off a cliff, right? Don't ski down that. Uh, snakes on an NFT game. That's it. So again, it's got the, the, the it's got uh, Samuel L. Jackson looking cartoon, probably not actually him, of course, or certainly not endorsed by him. Uh, but, you know, uh, shooting a, a snake on an NFT game with, you know, these self-generated NFTs. So 652%. They're literally just coming at their F left, right and center. And people will still buy it because uh because i don't know i don't know they, they just buy it because they want to be on the next they want to be on the next doggy train right that's it so i can't even call what the next one's going to be uh it will probably be a i don't know maybe it's going to be a, a diamond a jamie diamond dog coin maybe they're going to go down that route and they're going to say that it's uh they're going to say that's endorsed by jamie diamond uh I, I don't know or rat poison coin uh, another one endorsed by jamie diamond but i don't know they're too they're all too crazy to even call well, I'll tell you this. I've had enough of these MF and snakes on this MF and NFT. Quite enough. Uh, here's my idea. I think we should go with WorldCoin. Oh, wait, we did WorldCoin already. No one told those Silicon Valley guys. They think they can just do it again. Josh Shigala, we're talking about the incredible failure of Squid Game, the incredible rug pull. Was the mainstream media responsible or is it all the scammers' fault, Josh Shigala? No, definitely all the scammers' fault. Uh, and the mainstream media are just like idiots as well. Like, they're, they're, I see the mainstream media exactly like the buyers of this nonsense. They, they, they are, are a hype train. Um, they, they are everything that regulators are there to stop, basically. And... The, the, pro the problem that we're seeing is that we're going to get the, the, the government putting on their superhero costume, wandering out to this weird circus and going, 
we'll save you. And really, they're just nonsense. Um, the fact of the matter is, the, these, these newbies that are coming in, and maybe some of them aren't noobs, uh, they're seeing good opportunities. They're going to get burnt. They need to get burnt. They need to go, oh, that hurts. Maybe I won't put my life savings into a meme coin. Like, maybe, maybe realize that just the word, like, it's literally you're betting on the name being popular with everyone else. It's the like, there, there's no real reason that you've got to think, will this coin be around and popular in five years' time? If the answer is no, then just, I don't know. I mean, personally, it's not investment advice, but I would stay away. Um, saying that, I'm buying Squid Game. It always reminds me of that classic line from the Conan O'Brien written monorail episode of The Simpsons. A town with money is like a mule with a spinning wheel. He don't know how he got it, and he don't know what it's for. Josh Shigala, what will be made into an NFT next? Real or false? What will they do next? Well, um, I mean, I've said it before on the show, and I'll say it again. I, I really think the the case for NFTs are very, very interesting in terms of the finance, the DeFi space, uh, not in terms of putting uh, artwork in as collateral, which is also a little bit interesting. But the problem there is the liquidity is too low. Um, where the real interesting stuff comes in is packaging CDPs up as NFTs uh, with with underlying collateral and being able to split those. If anyone remembers the housing crisis of 2008, a lot of that was caused by CDPs um, being split up, uh, sold, uh, repackaged, uh, then uh, then split up again. Uh, and then these rating agencies saying, yeah, that's AAA, when really there was crap in them. But no one knew how to really look inside of them to see the crap in them. And then they would, and, and like libraries in uh, you know, in small municipals in Australia was buying like real garbage property from Texas. Uh, you know, like it, it just went insane. But the, the, the good thing with NFTs online on, in this space, uh, crypto NFTs would be that you could actually see what's inside of them and what's packaged, even no matter how many times they get split up and resold and repackaged. And you could have actual rating agencies rating the actual content of NFTs. Um, so I think that's what should be. Instead, I think you'll get uh, absolute crap being uh, NFT'd. <laughs> it's funny because when we first talked about NFTs, I really do think that the promotional value is there. But for them to be promotional, you have to make thousands or hundreds of thousands, which is so easy because you don't have to print them. You don't have to store them. You don't have to ship them. It's genius for promotions. But what's interesting to see people go the other way, these one of ones, which are obviously very valuable. If you own the crypto punk with a cigar, you are the cigar owner. I, I get that. But at the same time, I thought they should be plentiful, cheap, and maybe even almost free uh, trading around like nickels because of the incredible low cost of storage, low cost of sending, low cost of creation, uh, none of which has changed. It's gotten even easier across the board to make NFTs. You don't need a programmer. You don't need a company. Uh, moving on to the next issue. Check out the WCN Clips channel. WCN Clips on Twitter. Google WCN Clips. We've got all kinds of great clips from the Bitcoin group and other shows on WCN Clips. Issue three, 
F coin desk. Well, not really F coin desk, but it is interesting to say as the trial of Kleinman versus Wright begins, Coindesk is covering it like any other mainstream media article, as if they didn't know anything about Wright and his history of scamming the Bitcoin industry. They walk in like a noob. Is this the kind of coverage that we need from Coindesk, this blind, mainstream media-esque uh, idiot coverage? Uh, Dan, Eve, what about Coindesk and their strangely neutral take on an obvious scammer who has been attacking the Bitcoin industry for years. I think it's it's insanity to say like the, didn't the article like the headline was something like the around the ownership of the 1.1 million Bitcoin and anyone who knows Bitcoin knows how ludicrous that is you, a, a court case over the ownership. I there's one really 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 easy way to prove ownership with Bitcoin is by signing a private key or sending some of that Bitcoin. Otherwise, you don't own the Bitcoin. Like it's not like the judge can go, "Oh, I order you blockchain to give Craig the Bitcoin." Go on, you just. Give, give him the Bitcoin then. No, it doesn't work that way. Like you need the private keys. And, you know, what, what, what Craig, Craig Wright, is, he's come up with, obviously he's, he's been caught out multiple times being, being a fraudster. Uh, and uh, and, I, and I, will, I will say very quickly when I was sitting in front of me at a, a, a Bitcoin powwow dinner in London, uh, Satoshi's probably dead anyway. So I really, really don't think it's him. Right in front of me, less than a half, less than a meter away. And loads of people were there. Um, the fact is that uh, a judge can't, just make him hand over the the private keys uh, uh, like uh, 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 sorry can't, can't hand uh, it can't make the bitcoin blockchain hand over the the money like it that's not how the bitcoin it's not how it works like you know if he had the private keys which he obviously doesn't then he can just move it himself that's how he proves ownership he doesn't need a judge to do that that's you don't need an arbiter in in that situation because the blockchain the mathematics the, the code is the arbiter that's the that's the person who that's the, the unit that decides where the bitcoin goes um but uh, I like how he's still he's using. Um, I've known there's a few other scammers actually. know um, Bitcoin scammers. You know who you are. Who uh, pretend that autism is the reason why they're scamming as well. And and that's what that's kind of a big part of what Craig Wright's doing. He's saying that oh, it's his autism that's actually causing it. So he's coming up with any excuse he can not to just use his private keys to prove who he is. They had the the back to the back to the future thing where he was he was you're a great Scott Smarty. I'm waiting for someone to deliver a thing, and he stood there in his raincoat. And no one that delivered his private keys at the, at the at the beginning of the year or was it last year? I don't know. It all just flies by now. Um, but it's just a shame that people still give him like they give him air, like they give him like they give him I don't know credibility by pretending that there is some sort of actual real fight going on when there's there's really not. There's definitely no fight whatsoever. Um, wasn't it Arthur? Is it Arthur Van Pelt who um, who was so after Craig Wright said, oh. Um, he 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 applied for the intellectual property rights of the of of the white paper, um, and people were like all the all the Bcash guy or BSV folks were like, oh, rah, 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 that means it's it's truly the guy. But anyone can do that, and I think Arthur Van Pelt was was someone he himself actually applied to for a, a Bitcoin copyright of the of the white paper. Um, so all of these things are just ridiculous. This theatre, it's circus tricks, and uh, annoyingly, the people 
you know, you either know this or, or you don't. And unfortunately, people are, who are only just getting into Bitcoin are seeing this drama about it and they're actually believing these headlines. And it's really, I think, quite irresponsible of, of Coindesk to, to put an art, you know, to, they, they, they could have put something that's a bit more, uh, I don't know, a, a bit less sounding like it's actually got legitimacy to it. And it doesn't, it doesn't have a shred and it's laughed at amongst the Bitcoin community. And hopefully it's, it's all going to be over soon. Uh, uh, I just, yeah, uh, I, I just can't hack it. Although, although one thing I did like was, uh, was which is quite funny, was Craig. I don't know if anyone saw it, but the Craig Wright video of him playing with a sword, and everyone was like, "Oh, Craig, this is amazing!" And he's there like waffling around with his with his sword in his suit. Um, I, I won't miss that, but I, uh, I definitely, uh, sorry, I, won't, I will miss stuff like that, but uh, but I won't miss him pretending that he's Satoshi. And really, what is the lifespan of someone giving false claims, false evidence, falsifying this, falsifying that? How how many times do you have to be uh, proven wrong uh, before you give up? So just please give up for, for, the be- for the best of everyone, Craig. It's interesting how we talked about Squid Game and the media in a previous uh, story here and how the media now, the Coindesk, which should be the pretty high level of Bitcoin media, is doing the same thing. They're like, let's give Squid Game Coin a chance. You know, there's there's two sides to this. Sure, one side's got the tiki torches and they're chanting anti-Semitic slogans and they ran a girl over with their car, but let's listen to them too. Let's give them the benefit of the doubt. You know, they've got swastikas on their arms and they're saluting and things, but we gotta give them the benefit of the doubt, you know? and. I don't think Craig Wright has any more benefit of the doubt. I'm sure Coindesk in the past has done story after story about him not proving it, not moving the keys, not signing the coin. And again, you know what Satoshi would do? He wouldn't talk. He would be out enjoying his life with his billions and billions of dollars, and he wouldn't be talking. He wouldn't be in court. Could you imagine if you had billions and billions of dollars and you went to court? What are you trying to prove? Who even cares? You know what you did. If you are Satoshi, if you are the creator, you don't really have to go out there and prove it and be like, oh, I did this. I did this. The real creator kicks back with his feet up and doesn't bother with this court case legitimacy nonsense. Uh, I doubt this very much. And I'm very disappointed in Coindesk once more, as I was disappointed in Coindesk many years ago as mad Bitcoins when they did an article comparing Bitcoin to Napster. When it was very obvious that Bitcoin was BitTorrent, it was distributed. It didn't have a centralized server. It was just a very bad analogy. And now it seems five, six, seven, eight years later, nothing's changed. Still nothing coming out of Coinbase. Uh, apparently this person graduated in 2021. Uh, so it doesn't seem that they're very familiar with the working world and they're not very familiar with Bitcoin or Craig Wright. Adam Meister, your thoughts about Coinbase's Friendly coverage of Coindesk, right? Coindesk, Co- coin, sorry. Coindesk, Coindesk. Let's uh, de- de- definitely uh, get that right. Well, you know, it's Pete, you were saying, uh, you know, he should give up because people aren't going to fall for it anymore. No, no, no. He's got a cult. At least 10% of the people out there will keep expecting him to do what he says he's going to do. Um, you, you might remember that uh, in 2019, people were like, just wait until the start of 2020. Just wait until the start of 2020. He's got a big secret. He's got a big reveal. 
dude, we're like almost at 2022 now. And they still believe his nonsense. He knows he can get away with it because he's psychopathic, I guess, or, or, or sociopath. I don't know. Whatever one. Keep on lying and lying because 10% of the people are going to fall for it. So, Thomas, your comparison uh, of the Squid Game, I thought you brought up the Squid Game story and this story to contrast it to, to show how it's the same darn thing. The mainstream media of cryptocurrency, of Bitcoin, at sometimes is just as disgraceful as the mainstream, as the regular mainstream media. They are algorithm slaves, okay? The reason they are printing this story is because they know they can get clicks. That's all. That's all they do. Uh, And so they are slaves to the algorithm. And then the people who actually click on it and believe it, they are also algorithm slaves, okay? They just go to what is fed to them. It'll get high into the Google search and everything. It's a disgusting, vicious cycle. And they feed into it. If that's their business model, that's their freaking business model. I don't talk about this, this guy on my channel at all. I don't bring him up at all. He, he knows the, uh, that people are going to keep talking about him. And so, but at the end of the day is what is this man's end game? What is his end game? And what it is, is to, you know, keep on getting in the news through these bogus trials and these bogus lies, but eventually that his cult members will be like, okay, it's okay. Since he's really Satoshi, we will give him the Satoshi coins of BSV. And that's millions and millions of dollars. He will eventually get in BSV uh, because they will say he's Satoshi. They, they, will, they will rig the blockchain over there uh, because it's centralized to give him all the BSV. And so uh, and then he can be a, a multimillionaire through BSV at the same time say that he's Satoshi because he's got Satoshi's BSV. You know, if these dudes want to co- cover altcoins. Here's something for you. If you want to cover altcoins or, or, or forks of Bcash, because all BSV is, is a fork of Bcash. Do you guys know that the other fork of Bcash is worth more now than the BSV fork of Bcash? The, the, not, not Bcash itself. The ones that came up, uh, the one that Amari is in charge of, it's called eCash also, right? I, the one that was, it, it was Bcash ABC, then it became eCash recently. Even that, is worth more than this freaking BSV thing, yet CoinDesk feels the need to, to cover uh, the guy who's in charge of the uh, 50th most valuable uh, cryptocurrency out there. And one of these random, a random fork of Bcash is all this thing is, but his end game is to get millions of that random fork of Bcash and, and, and become rich off of all the sucker uh, cultists that are out there. And yes, so everyone that keeps talking about him are, are giving him this lending credibility to his less than legitimacy. But but still, he he knows exactly what he's doing here. And just the all these algorithm slaves don't be an algorithm slave. That is what I, I've said over and over again. And this is just total algorithm slavery on the part of the mainstream crypto media that will continue to cover weird stories like crap stories like this because it gets them the clicks and it gets high in the Google rankings. Here, here, Josh Shigala, go ahead. Um, yeah, I, I actually, uh, I, uh, I contacted uh, uh, Andreas Antonopoulos, who was also at the, uh, at the court hearing uh, to give basically a, uh, a bit of an explanation about crypto and uh and then uh craig's lawyer said well he's have you ever mined and he's like well no i haven't ever actually mined he's like well you're not an expert you, you you're not an economist you're not a cryptographer 
and uh, and you've never mind. So why are we listening to you? Not an expert. And I contacted him and said, man, I didn't know you were not an expert. What am I doing listening to you the whole time? And uh, we had a bit of a giggle. But look, I, I really think this is all a distraction. Like Squid Game is getting more attention and more money and stuff than this uh, thing. Uh, uh, there, there are actually, believe it or not, some, um, some uh, people trying to build stuff on this chain uh, that are actually quite intelligent, which is weird to me. Um, they're, they're trying to uh, do some do some stuff. And I, I just think, man, why would you support that guy? Like, why would you support that dude? Um, and uh, it, it's, it's quite perplexing. The whole thing is really, really interesting on a human psychological level of what is going on there. Um, but uh, like... Um, uh, like Dan said, you know, just sign the keys, dude. You know, the, the the funny thing is his excuse used to be, well, I don't want, would you show your bank account? I'm like, yeah, but you're saying you're Satoshi. So everyone assumes that's your bank account. Like if you say it, then that's all I'm saying is, can you prove it? Because that way we can all just relax and say, okay, Satoshi was an asshole <laughs> as a human being, as a story it was kind of cool. Uh, fair enough. Whatever. I, I would take that. Of course, there are people that wouldn't. They'd say he stole that and this and that. But for me, that would be enough. Sign it. It would be enough. Uh, but he, he refuses to do that. And, uh, and that for that reason, I just don't listen to him. I don't give him any credibility. I barely talk about him. Um, uh, it's just uh, I, I hope that other people see the amazing technology that's happening uh, the developers on that see the amazing technology that's happening elsewhere and and hopefully put those brains to power elsewhere rather than supporting someone who who makes a claim and then refuses to uh, to actually do the easiest thing like Dan said to actually sign the block and just get it over and done with um, and and then people are like whoa you know he doesn't have to it's like yeah look well then I don't want to hear about him I don't want to see him I don't want to smell him I don't care um, yeah that that's my take. As to Josh's point as why people would build on this, I'm reminded of what Milton said, where he said, it's better to rule in hell than to serve in heaven. And for so many of these programmers and cryptographers, if you're not the first string, if you're not the elite, the best of the best, you can't really program on Bitcoin. You can't really add to it. You have to be very high level to do that. But if you go down to an altcoin or a copy or a fork or whatever they are, suddenly you're the lead developer. Suddenly you're an important programmer and your decisions matter. And they better be good ones because if you screw up, you could destroy your entire coin, your entire fork. So I think a lot of people are drawn by the idea that they could be a big fish in a small pond and there's tons of small ponds out there. Moving on to the exit question. Uh, after Craig loses his trial, will he go away or will he come up with a new scam? Maybe he'll claim to be Prince or Michael Jackson. There's still a chance. Dan, Eve, what will fake Satoshi do next? He will linger around the room like a smelly fart and with no windows forever. 
I don't think he'll ever give up because, <laughs> and people, and people won't people, and you're going to have to smell him forever. And people like he's got, you know, he's got an army behind him. He's got, you know, he's bankrolled by Calvin Air, um, uh, who, who obviously, you know, he's got so much, so much money that he can just pay for all these random, ridiculous legal battles. Uh, and he's just got a support network of people that are basically so invested in uh thinking well obviously a lot of them probably bought bsv and so who wants to look like a complete twat when you've told everyone that craig wright is satoshi you've put all your money in bsv and you really you know it's like that thing it's really difficult when people when you know you've been scammed like i've been scammed a few times and you got you tell yourself you weren't scammed and you can come up with all sorts of excuses and but it's hard admitting to yourself that someone's pulled the wool over your eyes and you've been scammed and these people are they're all in invested in Bitcoin SV. They've all probably shouted about it, got into arguments about it over the internet, and they just feel like complete, complete twocks uh, if they were to have to go, oh, actually, I don't think Craig, Craig, Craig Wright's actually uh, Craig yeah, Satoshi. So there, yeah, it's it's a shame, but he is probably going to be around forever. But the whole thing's just, a, if him saying he, he can't sign it, it's just a, a complete, it's like a paradox. Like he said, what is it? He said, I do not have, when, he, when asked to say, to actually sign the private keys and or move some Bitcoin. He says, I do not have the courage. I cannot. Um, but as Josh pointed out, if everyone knows that that Bitcoin is Satoshi's, right, uh, and you're saying you're Satoshi, then the the argument that you uh you for example can't bring yourself to sign the private keys is the same as it should be the same as saying i can't bring myself to claim that i'm satoshi like you're saying it to a friend it's like oh i am satoshi but i just can't bring myself to say it you've already done that you said you're satoshi so the, the in theory the private keys are yours the bitcoin is yours so the idea that you can't sign the private keys or you don't want people to know about that million bitcoin being yours is ludicrous it is interesting if you tell people about a scam and you try to save them money, they'll often be happy. They'll come to reality. They'll say, that's a good one. I, I almost lost a lot of money. But if you tell people that they're in a cult and you try to deprogram them, you try to bring them out of the cult, they actually get angry at you. They get more mad at you because this is their core belief. It's not just something that they invested their money in. They invested themselves into it. And that's the difference between a scam and a cult. I am King Arthur. I pulled Excalibur out of the stone. Oh, yeah, do it again. I don't have the courage at the moment. Um, not really. I'm uh, trying. Oh, maybe next year. I will. I'll prove it. Let's go to Adam Meister. What will fake Satoshi do next? Although I think you had a little preview of that already. Go ahead, Adam. Yeah, you'll just come up with a new excuse. And as the, the panel said, it's an interesting... Uh, experiment in psychology this is other uh, that people just keep falling for it why they keep uh, yeah i think 10 percent of the world population never admits they're wrong and loves cult leaders and just can't make up decisions can't think for themselves so he'll always have an eager audience of worshipers um and and, and you know the the question is thomas you also brought up uh or it was brought up why are smart people uh programming and you said uh, a big fish in a small pond uh i think it's more so calvin air is paying them a lot of money and the, the, again, we have to remember the end game of fake Toshi here. It is to get Satoshi's BSV so he doesn't have to be the B-I-T-C-H of Calvin Air anymore. Fake Satoshi is not a rich man. He lives like a freaking little parasite off of a billionaire. 
And deep down, I hope he's watching this, that he knows he's a little parasite leeching off of him. Can't make his own darn money. He's a little leech like those 15-year-old girls that are in pictures with Calvin Air. He's one of them living off of living off of Calvin Air. So I understand his end goal is to be a real man, to live for himself, to have his own wealth and to steal it from the, the BSV blockchain and say, these are Satoshi's BSV. I deserve them because I'm not a 15-year-old little girl. I created it or something like that. So that's that's the end game. That's why he keeps doing this over and over again. But remember, people, he is not a wealthy man. He lives off of a wealthy man. At the, at the say, of, if that wealthy man dropped him, he would be a bum in the streets of Australia, okay? That's what he would be right now, or be a 15-year-old little illegal you-know-what in some developing nation that he, they seem to like to enjoy uh, hanging out with those little girls. It's disgusting. All right, yeah. enough of that. Yeah. Maybe, well, maybe Calvin, maybe Calvin's just... eyesight's uh, failing him, and he thinks that he's one of those like young lap dancers. Craig's one of the young <laughs> lap dancers. Well, I don't know. Uh, uh, the other thing is Bitcoin just turned 13. Uh, so it, it's just the right age for a Calvinette. Not going to touch that one, uh, but it is uh, interesting going back to the cult thing. Uh, the tattoo just doesn't rub off, right? You got the cult tattoo. You're trying to rub it off. It won't go away. And I also want to talk about the origins of the phrase, don't drink the Kool-Aid. Uh, for those people in that cult, I think I forget the name now, but uh, they were all going to drink the Kool-Aid. They were going to go to another planet. The space aliens are going to take the true followers. I think it was the Jim Jeffries cult, something like that. I'm close. And uh, they were all going to fly away to another planet. Instead, the Kool-Aid was full of poison. Drinking the Kool-Aid led to your death. You didn't get to go to another planet on a spaceship. It's not too late to not drink the Kool-Aid. You still have a chance, people out there. There's hope for you. Uh, Josh Shigala, what will fake Satoshi do next after he loses the trial? Just like Adam said, he threatened people with the, the flaw in Bitcoin years ago. He said that he had the coins and he was going to sell them all and he was going to wreck all of our markets. He even sued the developers. He sued the white paper people, which again is a reason for Coinbase, Coindesk, sorry, not to cover him in such a neutral way. This is not a neutral character. He's not new onto the scene. He's done many negative actions towards Bitcoin, and he's provided no proof, like Dan said, of a claim that he made himself. Nobody, None of us said he was Satoshi, this random computer science from Australia who doesn't have a supercomputer but says he does. He said he was Satoshi. He made the claim. So the whole courage not to prove it, don't claim something if you're not going to prove it. Just stay home. Uh, Josh Shigala, what will he do next? It's an interesting case. As far as I understand the case, if he loses, it does mean he's Satoshi because the court case, uh, that means he would have to pay Kleiman's family a whole bunch of stuff. If he wins, that means he isn't Satoshi um, uh, because then uh, I, I, that, that's as far as I can sort of tell here. Uh, I... I or, or maybe, maybe, I don't know, I, I really haven't studied it that much, uh, but the fact, uh, I am pretty sure that if he loses, it means uh, it, it, the court has decided that he is and he has to pay across. Um, and and that that's when the excuses will come out. I think what he's doing here is building uh, uh, judicial cases in old school uh, law to 
define his authority on Bitcoin and that he invented it by uh, building a case. Look, it's so diabolical. The whole thing is so diabolical and weird that I find it hard to grasp, man, like that this guy is actually, uh, you know, I, I don't know, man. I, look, I, I think if he if he wins or loses, he'll still be around. He'll still be making it. It's exactly like I'm waiting for the guy to show up. Uh, like you said, Dan, I'm waiting for this, uh, this uh, courier, bonded courier to show up. You know, because I'm Satoshi, I trust some random courier company to deliver a half a key of billions of dollars uh, years in advance. Like, man, how does it? I don't understand. I get really confused because I've actually got some uh, close friends that are really deep in that nonsense. And I just think, wow, wow. I don't know. It's confusing. I, I'm very confused by it all. I, I you know, seeing people fall for this stuff is really, really sad and awful. And at the end of the day, there's so much excellent technology happening um, in the in the whole sphere, in the crypto space. And um, the fact that you're trying to build a decentralized mechanism um, with terabyte blocks <laughs> that obviously cannot- Gigamax. Gigamax coins that can't uh, be, be be propagated around the internet fast enough, so it will definitely uh, allow certain miners to constantly be the winners. And I like there's just so many problems. I don't, I, I'm not going to go into any further. I, I don't think he's going. I just think he's going to scam. Is going to scam. He's going to keep on scamming. The beauty of the long con is you just keep running it. You just keep building on it. You just keep lying. So. It will never stop. Moving on to issue four, Facebook, citing societal concerns, plans to shut down its facial recognition system. Yes, it was the automatic tagging program that no one wanted, and they turned on without your permission or without consulting you. And now, just as suddenly, it's gone. Many people were shocked by this decision of Facebook especially that they're claiming they're going to actually delete their face archive. But wait, maybe it's just Facebook that's stopping uh, the use of facial, recogni facial recognition technology. It's Meta that will continue the use of facial recognition technology. So let's go to smiling Adam Meister about the latest uh, one step forward, two steps back from Facebook on facial recognition technology. Yeah, it's just temporary. Um, people thought they came up with the meta name to distract from all the uh, media attention, the bad media attention they've been getting. They did this to distract from all the bad media attention they've been getting, okay? Yeah, they, they, they'll get rid of the facial recognition for a while and it will come back. It actually, guys, Facebook is free. You volunteer to put all your information on there. Who cares if they have facial recognition? I mean, if, if, if you don't like it, then don't be on Facebook anymore, okay? They didn't have to do this. 
They're a private company. I had no problem with them doing their facial recognition thing. It was very strange when I would put up a picture. I'm not a big fan of it. I put up family pictures and stuff. When I put up a picture of my mom from like 1960 something and it knew it was my freaking mom in, in, in 2014, it was, it was pretty amazing. It's pretty interesting. And Thomas, your bigger point is also uh, all sorts of governments use this stuff to freaking spy on us, okay? So if you opt in to a website that is, you know, recognizing your mom from 1962. That's a, that's a you problem. Okay. That's you, you don't have to do it. Um, if you're, if you're so concerned about a private company, if they have it, if they don't have it, they don't use it. What we should be concerned about is the ways that governments are using it, how uh, they're keeping track of us, every little move that we make, we're walking around downtown. You, they could say you were here, there, the other, who, I mean, I, you know, again, Facebook is very innovative company. And I, I have no problem with them having it. They will have it again. I wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if all of this is just a, a game of words also that maybe Meta will continue to have it and the Facebook subs there, they won't have it. I mean, it's, it's, they're giving into the mob right now. It's public relations, clearly uh, a, a clear, a clear move, but it's, it, it won't, it won't last. They will come back to it. It is a, it can be used in cool ways for private companies. I think we can all admit that. I mean, the cool thing, technology is awesome. But, uh, you know, something that you don't opt into, like the government doing it, man, that's that's something we, we should uh, be concerned about when it comes to facial recognition. But it's, it's a boogeyman. It's a boogeyman. They're using it to deflect from uh, the bad publicity that they're getting. They think this is good publicity. Look, we're giving into the mob. We're, not, we're being a good uh, citizen of uh, for, a, for a company. So that's my take on it. And, and while it was creepy, in many ways, this was one of the core and useful features of their product. Like Adam saying, if you put up a picture of a bunch of your friends, it tags them all. Now your friends know they're in the picture. That's kind of a positive thing. Uh, the government stuff's a little more creepy. The Facebook stuff's creepy if they start using it against you and such. But it does seem like a core part of their original product. I agree. I think Meta is just going to run right over this, do whatever they want. Uh, but it's nice to celebrate a small victory every once in a while. Uh, Josh Shigala, your thoughts on Facebook turning off facial recognition for now? Yeah, it's 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 a really, really fascinating conundrum. Um, look, God, what I liked about Facebook doing it, it was getting in people's faces. It was letting people understand the how powerful this technology is and uh, making people aware of it. The thing is, Facebook turning this off doesn't mean the technology goes away. These, uh, these, these, these cameras are everywhere. And, uh, and, and COVID as a, as a, as a thing... Uh, this pandemic is really allowing power grabs. Where, whatever side of the fence you're on, uh, if you're on the, uh, you know, for COVID against her, we all can agree that governments can take advantage of this moment. And we have stories coming out of Russia, out of many countries saying, we want to take all camera feeds from shopping centers and shopping malls and put them all into a central, feed them all in a central database to scan for faces and uh, and 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 issue fines for anyone not putting the mask directly over their mouth. And for the mask situation, they're getting very very good at determining just the eyes uh, for facial recognition. So um, the technology is extraordinary. Um, it is uh, one of the technologies that really um, allow someone like George Orwell to turn in his grave. 
it, it allows it allows um, a, a state apparatus uh, or a mafia or anybody that's in control that uses violence to control people to do it at an extraordinarily cheap way uh, for anybody that that uh, that might disagree uh, with them, <clears throat> and so. By Facebook uh, actually putting it in your face and having it on a small consumer app, people can be aware because there's been technology like for years, uh, for instance, Alex Jones was saying, they're spying on everybody. They're spying on everybody. It's going to these huge things inside these doors and, and they're, they're, they're filtering the internet and stuff. And it, was, it wasn't until Snowden came out and said, uh, they're spying on everyone. Everyone's like, oh, like you, because when, when, when what I'm saying is that if you take the technology away and people don't understand that what the capabilities of it are, um, they might not believe you when you say it can be used, uh, like they can track your walking, uh, your, your stride. They can tell who you are by the way you walk and, so, and stuff like that. So and then they go, ah, you're crazy. But really, if they have that Facebook and they go, wow, you know, it determined my grandma from a picture when she was 13, black and white. That's amazing. So um, the fact of the matter is this technology isn't going away. Uh, we need to determine how to live with it in the future. There needs to be you know, the, the, the idea of the, of, the, of the field of philosophy is a really important field at this moment because we need to, as a society, think about how we're going to deal with this and deep fakes and, and such. Um, it's a really important, interesting a conundrum uh, for society, and uh, and uh, rather than thinking about are we in a dream within a dream, philosophers should actually think about this, um, uh, th and because these these are these are important questions. Dan, Eve. Well, it's funny because I was going through uh, the the, uh, the with the Google app today. I was trying to find a picture of of myself using a facial recognition thing, so I had to send it off somewhere. And whilst I was there looking for a picture, uh, it said, you know, do you want to, can you confirm these other pictures? And it was all that outlier cases that the last time I, I must have gone through this, you know, confirm process, uh, I would have, I would have picked off the, the most obvious ones. But the latest ones were like, I was looking at some of the pictures and I was like, where the hell is my face? And no shit. There was literally like in one of them, it was a, it was like a picture of like my driver's license leaned up against the wall in the background and the square. And I was like, how the hell, you know, so I wasn't even in this picture. It was just a picture of like my room with, and it managed to detect my face, like, you know, that small, it's absolutely incredible. Now I was kind of going the, the different, a different way with, um, with this is in the, in the, if you, if you opt into these things, then, you know, then it's, it's okay. Right. If you opt into having, and you know, that your data is going to be shared about, then, you know, you can have the choice to, right. Some people don't want their data. Some people do. And what I thought was quite a cool concept uh, a few years ago, was like if you could put maybe not on all of your albums but you could like tick a box which says something like you know i agree that if someone is registered on whatever this app is and my face is in if their face is in the background then that person can see that picture as well so like i could go on there and all the people that have consented and i could see myself you know 
maybe after a few bevies at Glastonbury doing something crazy in the background of someone's photo. And I think that would be quite cool. But obviously, you know, this it, it, from a data protection perspective, like it's a massive can of worms. And like any technology, it's open to abuse. Bitcoin, amazing technology, open to abuse, not Bitcoin itself, but people trying to scam, etc. You know, any any new technology um, uh, gives people the ability to try and abuse it in some way. So whilst it's really like you know, it's been quite cool and useful in the past to to kind of be tagged up and see, oh yeah, I remember that that day. Uh, you know, when I was out at so and so, it's also very dangerous. And we're, as Josh said, we're realizing it more and more uh, with all the sort of restrictions, like the Hong Kong thing. You know, with the cool, um, like the, the 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 IR blockers and stuff like that, to get all the scanner blockers on people's faces. So we're seeing more and more ways that that facial recognition can be abused, and uh, and it's only going to get more intrusive and and yeah and and more crazy and we've got to protect our data in in some way and it doesn't sound like facebook is giving up the game completely i think it's just basically being shipped over to metaverse or whatever it is meta so you know they're, they're kind of doing it as a as a as a bit of a show thing to say we're not data abusers uh, um, probably to mask the recent like uh, whistleblower or, or whatever uh, and try and take it to some attention away from that while still actually using the facial recognition service in Meta. So it's kind of, it's news, but not news. You have to figure that this company has done such a good job managing your data so far. Why wouldn't you want them to manage your metaverse data as well, right? Just keep connecting them. Uh, moving on to the exit question, as uh, Neil Stephenson defined in his book, Snow Crash, the word metaverse, uh, the book is a nightmare of corporatism. Uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken is as powerful as the U.S. government. When you work for KFC, you live at KFC and you follow the rules of KFC. This is where the word metaverse, Facebook's meta, comes from. Is Facebook aware of this? And are they trying to make the new metaverse a corporate hellhole where everything would be bought and sold? Most importantly, your information and everything that you do in the metaverse. Adam Meister, the future of Facebook's metaverse. I don't think it's sinister. I think they see an incredible opportunity out there. What the last one and a half years have shown is that a large percentage of the world population enjoys never leaving their house and enjoys living in a virtual world. So make the freaking most money in the virtual world is what their goal is. Jump in on this hardcore before the other big uh, power brokers in industry get into it. Beat Twitter and Google and who and Microsoft to the punch and dominate this metaverse world. The metaverse is real. You don't have to live in the freaking metaverse. But what the last over one and a half years have shown is that there are many a, a person that will never get over being hypochondriacs and they will live in their houses for the rest of their lives and their real world will become the internet. Their real world will become virtual reality. Imagine if 5% of the population of the entire planet becomes that way. This is a huge opportunity for the early companies that jump into it. So yeah, they're going to have their corporate branding all over the freaking uh, metaverse. Okay. that That's what they do. They are a corporation. They are there to make money. But is, is this 
is this a sinister way to usurp the United States government or something? No, it's not. It is an incredible opportunity based on the insanity of the left. And you know what? The world was going digital anyway. I mean, kids growing up today, uh, they, they, grow, they know how to use those uh, little their phones immediately. Okay. It's, it's like they were born, but things have been sped up and some people have become completely uh, afraid of society. It used to be, you used to be called mentally ill if you couldn't leave your freaking house. Okay. You, you had agoraphobia, whatever it was, you had fear of the real world. Now it's great. It's, it's, it's encouraged by governments and stuff. So why, why not take advantage of the future population of the world that will never freaking leave their freaking houses? It, it's not Facebook's fault that 10% of the freaking world doesn't want to live, is scared of the world, is scared to touch another human being. That this, and that makes the metaverse freaking real, quote unquote real. And yeah, uh, good, good luck to uh, compete. Don't complain in the metaverse. You don't have to be in the metaverse. They're in the metaverse. Uh, no one, ha- uh, go, go out and like enjoy life people really. Uh, uh, but uh, if you, if you hate on, if you hate on Facebook because you can't leave your house and you're envious of them dominating your fake little world, I mean, it's, it's your fault that they're dominating your fake little world. All right. That's it. Josh Shagala. Uh, yeah, I agree. I agree with Adam there. Uh, Facebook is is definitely taking advantage of the metaverse. I I, I love VR. I've had it for I've been an early adopter in the space. Uh, I think it's really really interesting. Uh, I, I I I love and hate it because I do see it as escapism. I've always said that VR will be the drug of the future. Or drugs are based on escapism, and VR is the ultimate escape. Um, uh, well, drugs. So uh, you know, DMT. I guess we we, we really like. <laughs> going to somewhere else but the fact of the matter is certain drugs don't want you know you start to learn and you don't want to go back there you sort of learn whereas vr really sucks you in and plays with you imagine all the engineers uh the social engineers that are working at facebook to try and figure out how to really squeeze that dopamine really squeeze it every last little bit so you 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 get really addicted to that space um absolutely it's about network effect um the thing is that online um the switching cost is really really small to certain things but the switching cost uh like to on generally online digital spaces like it doesn't cost me much to move what it does cost if all my friends are somewhere and i want to take them all to somewhere else it's a very high cost i have to convince them all to move somewhere else so what facebook is trying to do is get that network effect onto uh in the metaverse right now and this is why they started with this home thing to get everyone in there and um and and try to try to beat it out but yeah um it's uh i I wouldn't trust them i don't trust facebook i don't trust any sort of large corporation uh i don't i like i don't i don't i just don't trust them especially if they're free um i try to uh stay away from them and uh and, and and find an alternative yeah uh, yeah, Mark. I mean, it's something. Uh, the vision, the visuals of Mark as well. He's such a weird dude, and uh, and 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 so him and the the history of Facebook and uh, trying to like pull you on, and then you've got like these images of people with a mask and a face thing on, and go, yeah, I'm so happy. Uh, you just sort of think, oh god, man, this is weird. Uh, no, I just don't want to. Yeah. But he's got a jar of barbecue sauce on his shelf that he's using as a bookend. So you can trust him. He's totally normal. He's just like you. 
Dan, Eve, your thoughts on the Facebook metaverse? Well, I, th I think Josh is right. They're capitalizing on being kind of, you know, trying to be leaders in the industry. They've obviously got a huge market uh, with so, you know, being one of the biggest subscribed services of, of humans on earth. So, so it's probably going to be quite easy for them to draw people in because people already, uh, they're already staying at home. They're already doing nothing. Why not, why not, uh, you know, escape into this, this alternative world? It's been a sci-fi thing for a while, hasn't it? Oh, well, for, for years, obviously, you know, like, you know, being able to escape into a, a, another little electronic universe. The way he was talking about the other day was almost like he'd invented VR. Like that was quite interesting. Or you know, it was like almost like wow. Like and you're like, well, you know, there's like Second Life years ago. There's all sorts, you know, that, that obviously preceded that. Um, not obviously in a, in a VR sense, but with a with a, a world where you had assets and, and all sorts of stuff like that. Um, but ultimately, I think they've got a good ground, like to to promote their product and take advantage of the fact that people are scared to go out, but the people are scared to go and and uh, and mingle nowadays, and they're they, you know they're they're all COVID. They've got the COVID fear. So what can they do? They can they can stay in their house, all nice and safe, uh, and then escape to this crazy reality, whatever it is. Maybe someone's invented a world where COVID didn't exist in VR, and they can't. Well, obviously, they, they, because you can't get COVID over VR, but maybe you can. I don't know anything's possible nowadays maybe mark will 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 i don't know maybe maybe he'll he'll spread a virus electronically that turns into a bio one i don't know all sorts of, of crazy stuff could happen uh, just ask alec jones warning spoilers ahead but when william gibson invented the word cyberspace when neil stephenson invented the word metaverse they were talking about the internet they were talking about the internet that you're using right now. Now, certainly we didn't want it all to be in the web browser. That's something that happened along the way. Everything got put into HTTP. We lost a lot of the other TPs like FTP and Fetch and all these other services and different ways to use this network, which is the metaverse, which is cyberspace. You're already in it. So I agree with Dan, Second Life already exists. If you want to walk around in a weird virtual world and make weird virtual stuff, it's already there. There's already little uh, like JavaScript programs that make a 3D gallery for your NFTs. You can walk around and look at your NFTs. You can have people over and show off your NFTs. I don't see a lot being gained by having Facebook control a virtual world. Uh, the most important thing about the internet was interoperability, the ability of anyone to make a new service. Like there was MySpace and then there was Facebook. Uh, there was Yahoo and there was Google and there was Alta Vista. There was all these other search engines, all these competitors like DuckDuckGo now and these other services. Having one service, having one gatekeeper, especially if it's Facebook, sounds like a disastrous and horrible vision for the future. Even if they have all the money, even if they already have your account and you'd have to create a new account if you used open metaverse, but you could just Facebook login into Facebook or Instagram login because they've already got you there. It just seems like a disaster waiting for humanity. Instead of breaking up these companies and making them 
actually compete with each other the way that Instagram on its own would compete with Facebook. It would be a rival photo sharing service if it wasn't purchased by Facebook. WhatsApp would be a rival messaging service if it wasn't purchased by Facebook. Instead, we're going backwards. We're allowing companies like Google to become Alphabet, and then they just own a, a rainbow of services that control our data. Facebook becomes Meta, owns another rainbow of services that control our data. Uh, we're going backwards. It seems quaint at the time to talk about when they were going to break up Microsoft. So we'd have an operating system company and we'd have an office services company and they would compete with other similar companies. And certainly it's very complicated to say break up Facebook or even even separate Instagram, separate WhatsApp. Let's go back to that as a start. It's going to yeah, get I, even I, worse when they tie it all together into meta and their metaverse. And we're just allowing them to do this again. Remember the first time we built these internet services, we did it by advertising and whoever could do it the cheapest. And that's how we got these crap social networks that don't protect the users, that don't value your data, that don't value your input and are using you as inputs for advertising. So Meta gets us set up to use more and more of our data as inputs for advertising. We're going backwards here. We're not going yeah. forwards. Go ahead, I, think, I think one of the biggest moves in that direction was uh, Google's choice, very deliberate choice, to remove the RSS reader as a major um, uh, part of their their offering. Google used to have a very, very cool RSS reader where you could uh, basics basically subscribe to individual websites that were that were hosted by individuals around the web uh, blogs and uh, and then you would have a reader and you could jump across to individual nodes in the web by them discontinuing that which it was a very very popular part of Google uh, by then uh, purposefully removing that and discontinuing it they caused the aggregators of data to become uh, what they were trying to do, which was uh, Google Plus and Wave and all these other th uh, things that became defunct. Um, but at the end of the day, Facebook really, uh, and, and Reddit and other services became, Twitter as well, became the aggregator to look at curated content um, or to look for content that you might be interested in. And these algorithms became very, very good at determining what you are interested in. And so you kept on going back there because it was like a trough of, of uh, you know, it was a news feed. You, you literally feed off of this. And, um, and so uh, I, I think it's about consciously going back and using RSS because there's still great RSS readers out there. They might not come from Google, but there's really good ones and blogs by default, do offer RSS feeds. And for those kids that don't know what that means, it's basically a way for you to subscribe to individual blogs that aren't centrally controlled and be able to pull the headlines of the latest news into something centralized that you control and you can unsubscribe from and subscribe to them. The reason why people don't blog and have their own blogs and that they'd rather use Medium is because of that simple one button, subscribe. And it allows people to see, oh, wow, and keep coming back. If you have your own blog in the middle of the internet, you might as well be farting in a massive, like giant storm. 
No one's going to smell you. No one's going to see you. No one's going to hear the fart. You're not going to get noticed. And so um, really, RSS is an amazing technology. Uh, actually, uh, I'm pretty sure it was invented by Aaron. Uh, uh, um, what was his name? Aaron Schwartz. Schwartz. Yeah. Uh, inventor of Reddit as well. Uh, one of the co-founders. Um, Aaron Schwartz uh, was a big part of RSS and uh, rest in peace. Uh, um, Aaron, but um, Aaron, Aaron Swartz, who was persecuted and driven to suicide because he downloaded JSTOR articles illegally and posted them on the internet, uh, which is now being done in mass by SciHub. Uh, so it just shows what a difference a few years make. SciHub uh, supported by user donations. Aaron Swartz did not receive any support and felt very alone, I imagine, towards the end. But yeah, I agree, yeah. Josh. RSS is an amazing technology. Google killed it for advertising. They weren't getting enough advertising in there. It was hurting their main products. Uh, they went in that advertising direction. The main thing here is that these companies believe that you are cheapskates and will not pay for anything. You won't pay $10 a month to use Google. You won't pay $10 a month to use Facebook, to use Twitter. If we did, they could offer a completely different model that would be based on protecting us rather than being a parasite or a vampire and feeding off of us. Uh, unfortunately, yeah. the death of Reader led to many websites removing their RSS feeds, led to many people not using RSS, has decreased the ecosystem of RSS. So it is still available, but it's much more difficult uh, than it used to be. And it's a much less interesting web uh, than we have now than we used to. Because I agree, Josh, I used to have my own blog. And now I pretty much do the same thing on my blog that I do on Twitter. Short messages, links. A lot of daily posting, a lot of posts. That was all on my old blog. And now it's on Twitter for the reasons you've given. I want people to look at it. I want people to have a conversation, to share it around, to talk about it. And That's right. that wasn't happening on my personal blog. After Rita got taken After down. Rita. Yeah. 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 Well, I think we're running out of issues. I think we're going to go to the uh, prediction or story of the week. Uh, Dan, I know you're ready. Uh, with a prediction or a story of the week let's go to dan first <clears throat> i i these are going to be linked and you'll see why when i move from one to the next my predict wait there uh, which one do i say oh it doesn't matter but anyway so uh, today i my story of the week is that uh today i had so adam who's the the um the uh, organizer for CoinFest uk uh he's He's uh, uh, back on on the on on the the case with Coinfest and and on his feet again. Um, and he is. Uh, I've just confirmed uh, that I'll be. Sorry, I'm, I'm in a waffle. Uh, I I confirmed that I'll be speaking, speak, singing, rapping at Coinfest this year. So 25th of November, uh, come to Coinfest, um, and it will be totally awesome. And uh, you'll get to see me waffle on a microphone, but a different microphone. Very cool in Manchester, UK. Check out CoinFest. Uh, it's towards the end of the month, November 25th. Kind of lines up with American Thanksgiving. But if you're over there in the UK or the EU, I hope you'll check out CoinFest. Uh, Adam Meister, do you have a prediction or a story of the week? Go ahead. Well, I'll tie it to what we've been talking about. Mainstream media is going to keep on coming up with silly articles Um and the algorithms will pump them and the algorithm displays will believe them. We were talking about RSS feeds before 
you know, treat your social media as web pages. Go, don't rely on what's fed to you. I go to people's Twitter feeds. I go to their Twitter and I read everything that they tweeted. I don't let Twitter spit out. I never check uh, my, whatever they spit out to me. Okay. I don't know what it's even called. The feed, their feed. I go to people's specific Twitter pages, read their thing. And here is, here's the news that the, the mainstream media thought was very important to tell us today. Beware of the flippening. Seven crypto experts break down the ominous sounding event and its implications for Bitcoin. And I said, the mainstream media is so out of touch with Bitcoin that they write a 2017 article in 2021 and think it is original and enlightening. So that, that's the state of the world today. If um, you, know, you, you see what's trending on Twitter, it's flippening. I mean, if you understand how insane that is and how we've already lived through all these stories from 2017, you are in great shape. You are not an algorithm slave. You think for your freaking self. So think for your freaking self. Follow me on Twitter at TechBalt, T-E-C-H-B-A-L-T. And uh, I'm DisruptMeister.com. You can watch all my 2,000 freaking videos I've made since 2013 about Bitcoin. Strong hand, guys. Have that conviction. Great job, Toms. Excellent stuff, Adam. Thanks so much. Uh, Josh Segala, prediction or story of the week. Go ahead. Well, the prediction uh, is that, uh, well, the story of the week really is that we, uh, we just gave away our, uh, our first, well, our second prize. Uh, every week we're giving away a bunch of prizes uh, for those that join our, our white list here. And, uh, and uh, yeah, AirPods, uh, the third generation, pretty cool technology. Um, uh, so join the white list at the standard.io. And, uh, and we've started a Discord. Yep, we've done it. This is what it is. <laughs> I, I, I can't stand Telegram, guys. I, I was in there. Telegram did my head in. So many people. It's just constant flow of crap. With Discord, we can organize it nicely. We can have fun little competitions. We can talk about stuff, discuss different technologies, uh, discuss, discuss cryptography, and, uh, and really, really get in there and, uh, and, and, and actually have conversations. So, um, uh, jump onto the standard.io. We we literally launched it today, so I, it's not up there yet. But jump on the standard.io and uh, and join up to the whitelist, and you'll get uh, notified when when you can jump in that. Very cool. Thanks so much, Josh. And uh, I think I'm losing my voice, so I think we're gonna head to the end of this show. Uh, but thanks everybody for giving us that thumbs up. Subscribe down below. Uh, like Adam said, check him out on Twitter at TechBalt. Check out the uh, Bitcoin Meister shows. There's tons of them. Amazing and, uh, Like stuff. I said in the beginning, uh, he's had one thing that he said. He said, stay humble, stack those sats, pound yeah. the like button. Like, that's it. You don't buy a fancy car. Don't buy fancy houses. Don't spend your Bitcoin. Uh, even if you, you know, just keep your job keep stacking those sats and it'll work out in the end. And I think it's working out now for a lot of people. So I also want to say my uh, closing Friday line, Shabbat Shalom, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Very good. It's great to have everybody today. And uh, until next time, bye. Bye. bye, bye. bye. Oh, there's,